For one generation of Americans, civil and sectarian violence in Northern Ireland was brought into our homes through regular reporting on the nightly news. For a younger generation, it was brought home in the powerful lyrics of the band known as U2. Today's guests are creators of street art and murals that remember that era in Northern Ireland's history. They are Tom Kelly and Kevin Hassan of the Bogside Artists, this week on Story in the Public Square. Hello and welcome to A Story in the Public Square, where storytelling meets public affairs. I'm Jim Lutis from the Pell Center at Salve Regina University. And I'm G. Wayne Miller with the Providence Journal. This week, we're joined by Tom Kelly and Kevin Hassan, two of the three artists in Derry, Northern Ireland, who are known to the world as the Bogside Artists. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having Thanks for having us. Thank you. So we were drawn to your work when we actually saw you on, a, on another television show, uh, and we wanted to learn more about your work uh, and, and the, the life that you uh, depict in Northern Ireland. So tell us first about the Bogside Artists. Well, the Bogside Artists are three artists um, that were born and lived uh, in the bog side throughout our entire lives. And uh, we've been practicing uh, artists in, in the bog side, but the bog side obviously is synonymous with the Northern Irish conflict over the last 35 years. And uh, as three ind independent artists doing our own thing, uh, we thought it would be important uh, for us to record our experiences, not just ours personally, but the entire community's experience of living through uh, everything from gun battles to bomb explosions, uh, the assassinations to the killing of children, riots, plastic bullets, tear gas, and all of that on a constant basis. And as three artists to actually um, to to come together and create a narrative to actually tell the story um, and to create what has been known as a, a human document, um, art in the heart of conflict, and basically tell that story uh, in, a, in a representational way because we were not uh, trying to intellectualize uh, very sensitive events or we were not trying to bamboozle anyone uh, with uh, heavy conceptual images, but we were simply recording our experience as we all experienced it. And hopefully at the end of the day, in creating these 12 large scale murals, now known as the People's Gallery, uh, that it would be a cathartic experience, not just for us, but for the entire community. Yeah, this is a question that I think we could spend uh, multiple episodes on, but we're, we're talking about the troubles in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, Kevin, what for, for, for an audience that maybe only has a, a, a passing knowledge of what the troubles were, can you encapsulate that in, in, uh, in you know, 
in a, in a few in a few minutes here? Sure, I'll I'll do my best. Uh, Ireland was was partitioned in 1922, and the Northern Ireland state was uh, set up then. Uh, but the overwhelming majority of the people in, in the north of Ireland were from a Protestant background and they preferred uh, to be known as British and, and be part of the UK. There was a, a minority of uh, Catholic people who considered themselves Irish nationalists and didn't uh, want uh, to be part of the new Northern Ireland uh, state. Um, anyhow, since 1922, up until around about the late 60s, uh, the, the Catholic community was the minority there. And the system that was in place by what they call unionist unionism uh, was uh, discriminating against the, the minority in and like uh, the voting system, um, it was gerrymandering uh, and jobs and, and various things. So more or less, the, the minority uh, was treated as second-class citizens for a very long time until the late 60s uh, when uh, young people here, particularly students at Queen's University in Belfast and so on, were very much influenced by what was happening in the United States with the civil rights movement there, with Martin Luther King and so on. And uh, that had a lot of influence in people here and give them the courage uh, for the people here to go on to the streets in the north of Ireland and demand uh, basic human rights and equality. But because of the nature of the state and its, its sectarian nature, that the uh, the police force, even though the, the first civil rights demonstration in Northern Ireland was held in our city here, Derry, where we are, and it was held on the 5th of October 1968, it was peaceful, nonviolent, uh, but the, unfortunately the, the people there were, were met with serious violence and, and brutality by the police force. And, um, and then one thing kind of led to another. There was a lot of tension building for many years. And uh, then there was a big event shortly after the first civil rights march. It's called the 12th, it's the 12th of August here. And it, it's when the, the Protestant unionist people, it's when they commemorate uh, a massive uh, event uh, very dear to them in their history, it's called the Siege of Derry, which happened in 1689. Uh, and it's a glorious moment for them. And they commemorate that every year. So in the late 60s, because of the high tensions among the Catholic community, uh, people like John Hume and others, uh, people of wisdom were calling on uh, the people to postpone their annual commemoration on the 12th of August, 1969, because the, the tensions were so high within the Catholic community in the bog site. But it wasn't to be. The commemoration went ahead as usual, where tens of thousands of Protestant people come from Scotland and England and other parts uh, to take a part in it. And it immediately turned violent. And what happened was that the police force uh, pushed the people back towards the bog side uh, with the intentions of invading the bog side but the people there defended the area. They built barricades. They made 
petrol bombs. It was a communal uprising, basically. And the, and, and the eyes of the Catholic community, they were defending their community uh, against the attack by the, the police force. And it lasted for three days and three nights. Uh, and on the second day of, of the Battle of the Bogside, Belfast had also erupted. And things were now rapidly heading towards all-out civil war. And that's when the British troops arrived on the streets uh, to restore some kind of order. And that was short-lived also. It only happened months before uh, things took a turn again. And basically, from a Catholic nationalist point of view, the British army was now doing similar things as the police force uh, was doing before that. And, and people then um, become very disenchanted with the British soldiers themselves. And then just a chain of events. Uh, it wasn't long before the emergence of the IRA. I hope that was quick. <laughs> so, uh, Tom, uh, we want to get into these murals. I, I think we should note that the third Bogside artist was your brother, William, who uh, died, I think, about five years ago. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, just around about this time, exactly five years ago. Yeah, Will was, uh, he was uh, a good a writer as he was uh, an artist. Um, he's very passionate about his work and uh, was 10 years older than myself and Kevin. And he sort of took the lead and he, uh, he, he uh, did his degree in art in uh, Trinity, Dublin, um, and was... He was a big loss to the group, but uh, myself and Kevin uh, decided um, we would continue on, not just with the, the murals, um, which have enjoyed a great deal of acclaim throughout the world, but we also have exhibitions, um, one in, in Canada at the moment, and we have an, an exhibition of our work in uh, uh, Georgia University um, and so on occasion that exhibition gets hired out by all our universities so over the last 15 years we've been over and back and over and back to United States uh, quite a lot to mostly uh, academic circles um, and we've enjoyed uh, a great deal of interest but what we're really excited about at the minute is that we have an exhibition of our work which depicts the the conflict here and our experience of that conflict and seen through an artist's eye. But that exhibition uh, is in England and is touring uh, all over England at the minute. So we've uh, we've had a quite a an interesting response. But that that's where the that's where our work should be. It's in a way uh, not just taking our story over to England, but it's taken something of their story back to themselves and and confronting them with their own um their own participation in this conflict that we've uh, all endured for the last 35 years so kevin um let's get into the petrol bomber can you first describe it it's a haunting image but give us a give us a verbal description and then talk about you can both talk about how you came to paint that and when you painted that. 
Yeah, okay. Um, as I just briefly mentioned about an event called the Battle of the Bogside in, in 1969, which led to the introduction of British troops onto the streets. Um, the mural is actually a, a child. He's 13 years old. Um, he's wearing a Second World War gas mask and holding a petrol bomb. Also depicted behind him is a high rise, we call them flats here, uh, it's a 10 story high rise. And that is also very symbolic of the event in 1969, because young people in the Bogside community were able to get on to the roof of the 10 story high rise. And from there, basically dominate the the battle and keep the police at bay so in the mural the main focal point is the child with the gas mask and holding a petrol bomb and with the high rise behind uh, the importance of the mural is because some people when they look at it immediately imagine that it's an adult or someone in their late teens but the reason it it's there from our point of view is because it's an actual child. And, and we're just trying to convey the whole tragedy of it all, that uh, these things shouldn't have happened. You know, things should have been resolved, issues should have been resolved, and it shouldn't have come to a stage where a 13-year-old child is standing on the street with a gas mask and a, and, and a petrol bomb in, in his hand. We painted it in 1994, which was the 25th anniversary of that event. Tom and myself in 1969 would have been 11 years old at that time. And even as children, uh, that whole world was right around us. Uh, we, weren't, we were right in, in the thick of it as, as children. We were trying to uh, get it into the consciousness of the people. Um, that we actually went through this, we experienced this, but let's begin to see it as history. I mean, most of the murals that we painted were painted before the ceasefire or the truce or the Good Friday Agreement. So there were still bullets winging up the street and there were still petrol bombs being thrown and there were still children dying on the streets uh, of Northern Ireland while we were painting uh, our, our murals. So, I know Ireland, especially the north of Ireland, is known for its murals, but this is something totally unique. This is not uh, a knee-jerk reaction to some event, but this is a, a human document. It's a narrative that's telling a story, and it's telling a story that's not saying to other communities or other artists even, that here's our story and it blows yours out of the water. But it's saying, here's our story, where is yours? Without the balaclavas and the AK-47s and the Madri insignias, uh, this, is, this is art that is uh, painted with passion because it's lived. Uh, it's something that we came through. It's something that we experienced. And it's something that we have something to say. And what we're saying is basically, this is what people do to other people and what they do in return. And that there's a way of actually looking at it, seeing it, understanding it.
but only with a view to moving away from it. I think it was uh, Bishop Desmond Tutu who actually said, conflict's like an open wound. And unless you have the courage to look at it, examine it and clean it out, only then will it really heal. And if it's not cleaned out, it's doomed to reopen. So this conflict in Ireland is always reopening and reopening. And this was our way, the three artists, the bauxite artists, of actually confronting our own experience and history, painting it on the wall as big and as bold as we could make it um, by way of examining it and moving on to the last mural, which is uh, the Peace Mural, um, which is full of color, full of light. And it speaks about the hopes and dreams and aspirations of this generation for the future. We need to take a quick moment for station identification. This is Story in the Public Square, where storytelling meets public affairs. An audio version of this show can be heard four times every weekend on Sirius XM Satellite Radio's popular Politics of the United States. That's the POTUS channel, number 124. We produce Story in the Public Square with a great crew at Rhode Island PBS, and we're lucky to work with them. I'm Jim Lutis. When I'm not on the air, you can find me running the Pell Center at Salve Regina University in beautiful Newport, Rhode Island. If you want to connect with me on Twitter, you can do so at J.M. Lutis. Joining me as he does every week in the co-host chair is my friend G. Wayne Miller, who is an award-winning journalist with the Providence Journal and the author of 19 books. You can find Wayne on Twitter, too, at G. Wayne Miller. This week, we're talking with Tom Kelly and Kevin Hassan, who are the Bogside artists, creators of murals and street art, as well as other works that recall Northern Ireland's history of civil and sectarian strife. You can follow the artists on Twitter at Bogside Artists, spelled just like it sounds. Can you talk, Kevin, about Bloody Sunday commemoration? You know, first describe it. Again, it's it's an incredibly powerful mural, but describe it and who is in it and its meaning. Sure. Um, Bloody Sunday, I, 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 as you could well imagine, out of many events that has happened here over, over the years, uh, to, to us in particular, uh, Tom and myself, and indeed the, the entire community here in Derry, uh, it is probably the, the thing dearest to our hearts, and, and it's probably been also the most traumatic uh, event to, to happen in, in our community. Uh, the image that we have depicted in the mural uh, become a, a well-known TV footage uh, of the time. Uh, the main kid in the mural being carried, his name was Jack Duddy. He was 17 years old and he was shot in the back as he run from the British uh, paratroop soldiers. Actually, the bishop, uh, he's a, he was a priest at the time, Father Daly. He was a priest during Bloody Sunday. He later became the bishop of the city. When Jack Duddy and like many others were running from the British soldiers, uh, Jack Duddy was actually running alongside Father Daly at the time. And I'm just repeating a story by Father Daly. Uh, he said while he was running, he looked at Jack Duddy and Jack Duddy looked at him and began to laugh because he thought it was funny seeing a priest running from the soldiers. And just then, as he laughed, he was hit in the back uh, and killed. 
And Father Daly, as, as you may have seen the famous images of him kneeling over the dying Jack Duddy and so on. But the most famous image and footage is when a group of men, including Father Daly, waving a white handkerchief, is uh, trying to get the dying boy out of the shooting zone to nearby ambulances in, in the city centre. Also in the mural is in the background, there's a, a truck uh, that people would have been standing on. The truck would have led the demonstration. It has a huge banner on it uh, and it says the Civil Rights Association. To the left of the mural is a British soldier, not just any British soldier, he's distinctively a British paratroop soldier who do stand out from the other soldiers of the British Army because they have a distinctive style of camouflage uniform and a maroon uh, beret. So the actual soldier in the mural is a para soldier and under his feet is a blood splattered civil rights banner. So we depicted him deliberately standing on the blood-stained civil rights banner. We also deliberately exaggerated him. We exaggerated his big boots. We exaggerated his big gun and, and so on. Uh, and uh, there actually was a real blood-stained uh, civil rights banner, which was laid over one of the bodies on the street. When we were painting the mural in 1996, uh, while we were preparing the wall, uh, we noticed that, that there were many bullet holes on the wall uh, before we painted the mural. I can't say 100% sure, but most likely some of those bullet holes were actually from Bloody Sunday. Um, yeah. Tom, you were, uh, I think uh, Kevin earlier mentioned uh, uh, Martin Luther King. We're, we're taped the same week as we celebrate uh, Martin Luther King's birthday here in the United States. Uh, his, his his life and his inspiration, I know, was important uh, to the people of Northern Ireland. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about that because he he both inspires and actually appears in one of the murals. Yeah, um, um, Martin Luther King, uh, nonviolent um, approach to uh, an involvement in civil rights movement in the United States. Um, was a, a big inspiration for John Hume, who was the leader of a more moderate uh, political party called the SDLP, the Social and Labour uh, Labour Party. Um, John Hume, for us, is um, the real deal. Let's just say, I mean, he was uh, he was uh, beaten uh, by the British Army. He was hosed down. Uh, and beaten by the police force. And he was actually even uh, petrol bombed in his own home by uh, nationalist Republicans uh, in, in our own city uh, because he felt he wasn't being condemning enough or hard enough on, on the British uh, for things like Bloody Sunday, so on. But he, he, was, a, he was a man of peace. And, and we paid homage to him by painting his mur a, a portrait alongside his uh, big inspirations. Uh, so we have a, a, a portrait of John Hume, we have Martin Luther King Jr., we have Nelson Mandela, and we have Mother Teresa there as well. And there's a, a bridge between them. Um, 
it's a, a simple symbol, so to speak, as uh, bridge builders. They're all Nobel laureates, but um, for us, um, of all the people that came out of the bog side and became uh, noticeable uh, because of the political climate here, um, John Hume is head and shoulders above everyone else um, in our opinion and in the community's opinion as well. Um, so it was important to make reference to John Hume. It's not about, you know, uh, singling anyone out in particular, but he uh, represents the, the majority, he represented at that time, the majority of people in the city, uh, both Protestant and Catholic, who were looking for politics and dialogue and democracy to work, as opposed to armed struggle and armed conflict. Um, and as and a, as opposed to injustice and oppression by the uh, British state as well, so he 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 was a very clever man, and he was a good friend of ours as well, the Bogside artist, and we're we're not supported or funded by the Arts Council of Northern Ireland or indeed the Tourist Board, <laughs> even though the murals have become a, a major tourist attraction. We never set out to actually do that. Um, but nonetheless, uh, John would regularly uh, visit our, our gallery and uh, he would spend time chatting with us and even uh, wrote a, a foreword for our publication called The People's Gallery. Um, so he was a good friend um, and, and, a, and, and worthy of uh, having his uh, portrait painted in the heart of the bog site where he was also born and, and raised. We've got literally about 30 seconds left here. I wonder if, uh, Kevin, you could say just a little bit. We're about 24 years now after the Good Friday Agreement. Uh, what's life like in Northern Ireland today? Well, that's a good question. Um, I, I suppose most people here today would like it to be a lot better. And saying that, it is a way better than what we had before. Uh, the North at the time before the Good Friday Agreement was the most militarized zone in the whole of Europe. All that military paraphernalia and war par paraphernalia is all gone now. Uh, there has uh, been great developments. I'm going to be begrudging here, all, mainly going to Belfast, not Derry. <laughs> but but that economically, things, things have improved. But the most important thing that, that it has in, in improved uh, for the younger generations, uh, as I say, it could be a lot better. Things are not perfect. Uh, politics is politics. And, uh, but it's certainly uh, a lot better now than it was in our time when, when we were young. Uh, we have our own children today, Tom and myself. And, and we were just glad that, that they, you know, even though things, as it keeps stressing here, are not perfect, but at, at, at least uh, they, they would have a, a better chance and, and opportunities, I suppose, than we ever had in our life. Well, Tom Kelly, uh, Kevin Hassan, we could talk to you forever, but that is all the time we have this week. They are the Bogside Artists. Thank you so much for being with us. That's all the time we have this week, but if you want to know more about storing the public square, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or visit PellCenter.org. For Wayne, I'm Jim, asking you to join us again next time for more Story in the Public Square.